Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bomb Podcast, episode number 254. It's just me. It's just Brian. How you guys doing? Hope you are doing well. It's just me because this week we are doing a very streamlined, to the point interview on the podcast. We had our friend Abe Maynard from the Ski System back on to help you do what you got to do to get ready for ski season because this is the week before Labor Day. It's almost ski season. We got a few more months, a few more weeks, hopefully. So I hope you enjoyed this interview. A lot of great advice and tips. Check us out. All the socials at Ski Bum Podcast, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Untapped. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. We're on all your favorite podcasting apps. If you could rate and subscribe, that would be wonderful. We also have a shop. If you're interested and want to get some swag, skibumpodcast.com slash shop. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Paradise Skis. They're at paradiseskis.com. They make seriously fun skis. They're are all about making skiing as fun as possible, whether it's shredding laps in Hawaiian shirts, bringing the parking lot at prey, or getting up early to go for that huge backcountry objective. It is our mission to build skis and snowboards that allow our customers to enjoy every single day in the mountains. They've got a couple of sweet pairs of skis. They have the red, which are for resort, the blue, which are for backcountry, They've got a green, which is a split board. Great stuff. Great people. Check them out. ParadiseSkis.com. We have a code for you. If you use the code SKIBUM15, you get 15% off your order. So check them out. Thank you, Paradise Skis. And let's get to it. Here's our interview with Abe Maynard from The Ski System. We have a very special guest, a returning guest actually uh we you may remember him from an earlier episode back in march of this year it is our pal abe maynard from the ski system abe thank you so much for joining us again thank you guys i actually this is so untimely because we were just chatting but i realized that oddly all the videos in the entire library for the ski system are currently being uploaded and the developers are pairing them to the programs and so this beep is going to happen when every single video uploads so I'm nice. trying really quick to just shut down the notifications because that's shut it be- down. I like shut hearing it. it. That means progress is going on. It seems like things are going down. You know, it's yeah. like uh, this is you know we're we're working that a net here. Things are happening. Let's see. So yeah, so last time we chatted, this was back in March, and yeah, I guess you were kind of getting the ski system together. You were uh, putting, I guess, getting the the project into its final phases for launch, which is going to be happening. Pretty much the day after this podcast comes out, which is awesome. So congratulations. I know it's Thank probably you. been a ton of work for you. Um, so how has your summer, aka almost ski season, been going? Uh, I mean, yeah, a lot of work. It has been a lot of work for sure. It was like with any entrepreneurial project, I think you set out with thinking that everything's going to go one way and you design as much of that to the furthest degree as you can. And then as soon as you hit go... 
everything goes a different way than you plan and you have to be flexible and adjust. And uh, it has been a project for sure. Cause I basically, I talked to the developers in December and I was looking at like a April launch, but with building the programs, getting all the video shots done, the production, the post-production, the advertising, like yada, 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 yada. Um, it ended up being pushed from April through till September. And so now we're in like the last couple of days of just running through the website, making sure everything functions, making sure it, the user interface works, the membership housing is all good and like just ironing out the last kinks. So I'm so excited for it to launch uh, tomorrow and nice. see just like, there's a lot of people like sending messages, sending DMs. Oh, I'm froze. Right there. Like now we can feel it. It dusted in Colorado. There's been snow in Utah. People are thinking about skiing now. And so I think that idea of like, okay, I do need to get ready for this is coinciding perfectly with the launch. So I can't wait, man. It's been a, it's been a process, but I'm super excited for it to go live. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. And it's like you said, timing wise, it makes a lot more sense launching it in September than yeah. April. Since April, everyone's kind of like most, well, the normies are kind of waning. They're like ready to go play softball or whatever they play. Um, and now it's like, yeah, you, people are getting the inkling. The days are getting shorter. People are starting to go. Once oh, you hit that Labor Day and kids are going back to school, people freak out and they're like, oh my God, I didn't play anything for skiing. So it's the perfect time, you know? Yeah. And I, my like big goal with this, I really want, you know, obviously this, it's going to be a year round offering, but it won't function as a business if it only works September to November. So right. there's this other part that really comes down to a communication point on the importance of training year round. I mean, for a lot of skiers, like I put myself in this basket because last season, for example, I skied seven times. Now I grew up skiing competitively. I went to a high school where I skied every single day. So I would rack up, you know, umpteen amounts of days on snow, but as an adult, it's not like that anymore. You know, you have life and job and work things going on, et cetera. But those seven times that I went and skied, I knew that I could just click in and rip because I'm constantly training, constantly preparing my body to be able to do that. So I want to be able to enrich other people to do this year round so that in the event that they jump out on the snow for like a week here, or they do a corporate retreat, or they do a weekend with friends, or they do a spring break with their kids, that they're not at risk for getting hurt because that's the first time that they're doing anything active. Yeah. Because for a lot of us, when you grow up skiing, you, you learn when you're young and it just be, it's kind of like riding a bike. But as an adult, if you try to ski the way you skied when you were a kid without any kind of preparation, without preparing your body, your joints, your muscles, you're going to blow your knee. Like the odds of it happening are so high. So getting this message across that this can be a year round thing. Doesn't mean you have to be a gym rat in there nine days a week, but you can do minimal frequency stuff to just keep your body prepped so that when you do decide to jump out there with friends, you're good to go and you can have fun. You're not super sore your ligaments are fine and you can keep coming back, you know, year after year. So that's kind of the big, big focus here as, as this thing launches. Well, that was one of the things that actually stuck with me when we talked last time, because I remember distinctly, you said, you think this upcoming season, you're, we're going to see a ton of injuries because last season, a lot of people kind of took a mulligan going, Oh, you know, with COVID restrictions and I don't want to deal with this. I'm going to take that year off. And then, you know, 
coming into 2021, 22, I'm going to go back to it. And like you said, a lot of adults, you sit at your desk all day, you're eating pirate's booty for like your, it's like your healthiest. Sitting on the beach, eat, drinking watermelon martinis, right? Yeah. And you, and you just go, I'll just go back into it. I'll like, you know, like the old uh, joke, you know, I'm going to ski my legs into shape. It's, and yeah. those people are the ones who, you know, first day of the season, they're coming down with uh, ski patrol on the sled. So, you know, that's, um, that to me, like that thing you said, that kind of like had me thinking all summer. I'm like, I got to make sure I keep training. I got to make sure I keep working out. Yeah. And, I th- and I was doing awesome until two weeks ago when I got, uh, my son got a respiratory infection, my whole family got it. And it wiped us out for like two weeks. And mm. I went back to the squat rack yesterday after two weeks and I was doing great. Like I was, I was doing over 300 pounds. I was, I'd never done that before. I was so psyched. I did like 225 and I was like, I'm going to my throw my whole back in these. Like, everyone's going to explode because <laughs> Just I was for two weeks. birthday yeah. weekend, all sugar and booze. Like it was my, my son's birthday. We had family over. I ate like crap. I drank a lot. I felt like my whole body was going to explode. And I was like, this is like a lot of people. That's their baseline. Like they are used to sugar and eating crap and drinking mm-hmm. a lot and performing like that's that's that that's the best they can do and uh it really made me go jesus man you gotta again it was just a weekend it wasn't a big deal i had the sickness on top of it but it's one of the things like as you get older you gotta make sure you're you're doing something you gotta keep you know it's like uh, as soon as you stop moving that's when it all ends for you well then people make those comments that oh i'll get my ski legs under me after a day or two it's like it doesn't work that way you're just gonna you're gonna hurt yourself is what you're gonna do if you if you think about this is the the way that I, I I don't like to use fear to incentivize people to train, but I do like to be honest in what we're talking about. When we think about skiers, we think about the injuries we see on snow, et cetera. And when people think of blowing an MCL or an ACL, I think it's very easy to consider people like your favorite athletes. You're like, okay, Kobe blew his Achilles or and he came back. Or Tiger got back surgery and he came back. Or this person did that and they came back. We don't consider (laughs) what's at these athletes' fingertips. I mean, you want to talk about the most high-level, like cancel their entire week so that they can see the athlete, close the entire hospital down, sell the equipment, buy new equipment, get them in there. Because the facility's reputation is on the line to serve the athlete that they get in. So they want quick surgery, high turnaround time, and they want to see the athlete back on the court, back on the pitch, whatever, as soon as possible, because it proves their facility's worth as a go-to for that kind of thing. For the average person, if you blow your knee, it is a nightmare. Mm. Not only are we talking about the cost of surgery itself, which if you have good healthcare is still a cost, if you don't have good healthcare, some people just don't get the surgery. And now they're talking about a lifetime of inactivity, the mandatory absence from whatever things that you like to do, because at a minimum, you're going to look at, you know, eight weeks recovery just to get back to PT, which most people skip or don't complete. So this little thing of, oh, you know, I'm just going to ski myself into shape. I'll get my legs back under me the first couple of days. You're coming down the hill. It's East Coast. There's ice underneath. Some idiot who's not paying attention cuts in front of you. You try to do a quick maneuver to get out of the way. Your body's not trained in deceleration at all because you're not training in any capacity whatsoever. And so you go to ask it to do this super athletic thing and it goes, we don't do that. And you blow your ligament. And now you're being down the hill on a stretcher, no ski vacation, 
injury can be really depressing. It can really affect your mental state to be laid up like that. And so again, not to use fear to incentivize people to train, but if you can avoid those kind of things, because the rest of the year you're doing the bare minimum to just keep yourself healthy, keep your body trained, keep it conditioned and ready for this kind of stuff. I don't know what the price tag on that is, but it's Mm. high. Like that's gotta be so worth it. Well, it's quite a quality of life in general, right? So it's, it's not even skiing, you know, you, you try to, if you don't even stay in shape for skiing, what happens to do something stupid? You run after a kid and you, you know, you pull a muscle, like (laughs) you got to be in some kind of basic, you know, fitness so you can do the things you want to do. And skiing is one of them. Skiing is demanding, you know? Yeah. That's one of my motivations too. Is like, but my son, my, you know, he's just turned four this weekend and we went to the local high school a couple of days ago and we just ran on the track, ran on the soccer field and kicked a soccer ball. I've kicked a soccer ball into a goal since I was in high school. And I was like, dude, that was so much fun. Like just playing like you would as a kid, like those little things. But I could feel it the next day in my leg. I'm like, probably shouldn't have tried to kick like 30 yard field goals with the, with the soccer ball, you know? Okay. So that's, that's the thing though. That's the mentality is that it's natural as a person. When you go do the thing, you get excited, you hit kid mode and you're like, Oh man, I need to rip hard GS turns and I need to like send that knoll and I'm going to practice short turns or whatever it is, or I'm going to kick a 50 yard field goal. You just, you go to kid mode, you're keeping up with your kids, you're keeping up with their friends and you try to max whatever it is that you're doing. And that's not how it works. Yeah. <laughs> our our bodies don't respond to that. So the their tr- bones are rubber. Yours are like uncooked linguine. Yeah, <laughs> it, it doesn't. We're just not designed that way. So the the minimal frequency stuff, I I think this, I don't think, I know for a fact, this program, this type of structure to people's preseason and intra-season, which for a lot of these weekend warriors, ski vacationers, um, spring break travelers, stuff like that, it's going to be the structure in the season also that keeps you where you're at. Because if you ski January, March, April, you don't want to only have trained in September. Yeah. You want to keep up with whatever minimal kind of stuff you got to do to maintain that output so that those days that you do go are they're smooth and they're enjoyable and your body responds well. And you're not just soaking it up in the hot tub for four days because you tweaked your knee on day one, (laughs) which people do. And and that's one of the cool things about the program, as you kind of described it was that, you know, again, I don't have any formal training. In, in skiing, I've kind of, you know, I've done some like, you know, bro science, figuring out how to work out things. But then during ski season, I'm like, how much should I be working out? Should I be lifting, doing heavy squats? Should I be doing something that's more cardio, more maintain, more stretching? So having a program like yours, where it kind of breaks it down different times of the year. So it's a year round program. I think that is super cool because I think most people don't know what they're doing and to have a, uh, an actual format where go, just follow these steps, just do what I'm telling you to do. And you're going to have more fun doing what you love. Like that's just, it, it seems like a, a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I guess I can, I can talk a little bit more now about the structure. Cause I mean, everything will go live tomorrow by the time someone's hearing this, but September uh, 1st, yeah, September 1st. It's going to be great because it's, so there's the web component. You know, you can go log into the website into your membership profile and you can access everything on there. There's over 350 individual exercise videos that just demonstrate the exercises themselves. 
I cut all the BS out of it. So there's no music or distractions, transitions. It's just straight up. This is the exercise. This is how it's done properly. Do it this way. And then you access all the programs there. We help guide you through a program selection process. So if you're brand new, you don't know anything about training or exercise, we can basically funnel you into the correct program based on your exercise history, your available equipment, how much you're looking to train, what other activities you're doing, and then what impact you want your training to have on your skiing. Do you want to ski faster? Do you want to navigate more terrain? Or do you want to ski without the basically onset of early fatigue? So a lot of people tend to complain about one of those three things. They either get really tired fast, and so they can't ski a lot, they ski well, but then they get really challenged when the terrain changes. So you get chundry snow or ice or changes in pitch, et cetera. Um, or they're just looking to, you know, improve their overall ability. And so based on all these different factors, it'll funnel you into the program. But the programs themselves are very cool because they're on the website, but they're also available on your phone. So if you're someone who goes to, you know, work out at a local gym or community center or something like that, you can just bring your phone with you. It pops up there almost like an app and it just walks you through like A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And you just knock things out when you're done. It lets you know what percentage of the program you're completed, which I feel like is a motivating factor. It's kind of nice to know like how much you've done and how much is left because I'm sure you guys see me drill this all the time. Like consistency trumps absolutely everything. It is king in programs. So Anything that can incentivize you to keep going on the track that you're on is great. And then for me on the back end, every program is rateable. So within each program and within each workout, you can provide direct feedback to us so that we can improve all the programs as we go. Obviously, there's going to be things that people love and there's going to be things that people hate. What I want to do is find the aggregate of the most hated and the most loved and try to improve what everyone likes and get rid of the stuff that people really struggle with. So it's a pretty interactive version of a training program, which I have not seen really out there anywhere. And I think that that'll be something that just kind of keeps people excited about it. We all know what it's like to be stoked to start something new, but the thing that separates people that see progress and those that don't are the people that see it through to the end. And so you have to find a way to almost gamify like that midsection there to keep people incentivized to keep rolling with it. So I'm like, we're doing the official final walkthrough in a couple of days and I'm freaking out. I'm so stoked for it to be out there for you guys to get on it. All the listeners awesome. to, to try it out. And uh, yeah, it's going to be rad. I can't wait to check it out. You know, I'm cool excited too? for you, man. This is, this is sounds awesome. Do you have anything in there that has like a calendar function where it's like, Oh, you have your uh, ski trip book, <laughs> December 20th. You've got 48 <laughs> no. days left. Countdown, like a countdown, countdown baby. Every morning. It's just like, boom. It's funny you say that because I I do really want to build, I have a laundry list of things, right? Like anytime you launch something, if you do all the things you want to do, it'll just never take off, right? The plane, you'll just constantly be adding pieces onto the plane and eventually you just got to abandon the project. So as you, most launches, like this is the, the bare bones, the most functional, minimal viable product, best version that we can get everything in functioning and into people's hands. But there are a ton of different things I would like to add. One of them being a calendar function, because this is a big part of skiing. And I think a driving factor for people to train is ski trips. So if you're, if you know, you're going to Beaver Creek in February 
it's easy to forget about going to Beaver Creek until the end of January, right? Mm. So for some people. For some, yeah, <laughs> other people are like 404 days. 400. Exactly. <laughs> uh, if the calendar function can one help you plan of like, okay, these are the days that my that training fits into my schedule, but also this is how far to my trip. And to let you know, you, you know, you're 45% complete with your program and your trips in 18 days or, you know, some version of that I think could really fit well. So those kind of ads are going to be, you know, as soon as it generates revenue and, and I can pump money back on the development side of it, I'm going to start to build out more things like that, that make it more of a hub for like your whole ski experience. That's cool. Yeah, that's super well, cool. And I think you're, you're spot on with that gamification. Yeah. When people see yeah. that, oh yeah, I've got... If you can combine those two things of I've got 45% of my program done and I'm three weeks out, like I'm in a good place. I can, you know, I can fit in, you know, five workouts a week for the next three weeks and, and yeah. complete it. Kind of like have that little, uh, like aggregate so you can mix it and uh, dial that in. So yeah. You're ready for your trip. Mm-hmm. And kind of going back to injuries a quick second. Now, I know you posted something a, a couple times on Instagram of you having kind of a gnarly spill. <laughs> Like, was that at Sun Valley this year? Yeah, dude, that was so. Because originally you were like, "Oh man, blew up my ACL, <laughs> yeah. like done," and I was like, "Oh my god," and like, "Oh that sucks," and then you're like, "Nope, I've been training, I've been working out, like I'm built for these crashes." <laughs> this is like that crash was the absolute most classic. Uh, total n- newbie goes to the ski shop and they're like, "What level skier are you, man?" And you're like, "I don't know, one," and they set your dins to four. So I went in there, I, I brought my skis to get mounted. And despite having skied for so many years, I just didn't check the DIN setting uh, when I got back. Yeah. Right. So I would compete on like a look P18 binding and the DIN setting would be like 18, 19. I mean, we, we would sit there with the screw and right. we'd, we'd break it up. things like yeah. breaking out of the plastic. <laughs> and so I just... I don't know. I just assumed it was like complete user error that my skis were set for me. Uh, And so we go down this run and it's just like a little dip to a side hit. And so I told my buddy, I was like, here, film this. This will be cool. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. It it, it was was cool. cool. (laughs) So I, I just do like a little 180. And I mean, if you slow down the video, you can see like, the second my tips hit, you can see my heels come out. It was just uh-huh. like that. And so full eject. Yeah. Just full eject onto my face, roll back over. And then I got up and I was thinking about that. And I'm like, man, those kind of crashes for sure, especially facing the opposite way at speed on impact. That's like a pretty textbook side to blow something. Mm. There wasn't a ton of rotation, which usually with like ACL, MCL, you get like, either wheels up and you don't unclick or wheels up in rotation. And so it's the rotation and your, your boots staying stuck and your knee going the other way. Mm. That one was a little more straightforward, but knees aren't the only thing that can get jacked up in a crash. I mean, you can bash your wrist in, you can hit your shoulder, you can chip your chin, all those kind of things. Collarbone, Mario. Collarbone. Collarbone. Oh, did you do yeah. your collarbone? No, I did shoulder? my humerus actually. That was oh bad. yeah, see, so th- yeah. so many different injuries can happen. And I thought my it. my arm was out of uh, it was out of the socket, so I'm trying to pop it back in. <laughs> Little did I know, you I was broken. It? No, no, it was just a, a hairline fracture. Oh, so I got it was, so it was dislocated like somewhere like in here. Yeah, gotcha. I had a nice big bruise the next day. I'm like, oh, I don't think I dislocated. I think I broke this. Might need to go. Yeah, but that stuff's annoying too. And like there's, yeah. I, I talked with a, a buddy of mine on his podcast. He does 
like strength training and conditioning for mountain bikers and enduro riders. And we were talking about like, should you be doing upper upper body exercises as a skier or a mountain biker because they're lower body dominant sports? But sure, if you plan on never falling, yeah, yeah. just do leg exercises. But the reality yeah. is you're going to fall, whether you're a competitor of 12 plus years or it's your first day on snow, you're going to slam. And so yeah. you just picture a skeleton. If there's nothing around the skeleton, there's nothing to absorb the impact. So right. having muscle mass doesn't mean you have to be a jacked, like no neck bodybuilder and to go ski, but <laughs> relative to your body weight and your size, you do want to have some mass on you. So going back to that crash, I think that it was a stupid little crash. Those are the crashes. I think typically where people do get hurt. Rarely do you hear someone go, yeah, you know, I was in copper and I was, uh, I was pacing to set the world record on the GS course and I crashed going 70 miles an hour and I blew my knee out. And you're like, Oh, that makes sense. Cause you were going 70 miles an hour. Yeah. It's always, I was on a cat track and some idiot came up behind me or yeah. I was skiing and I clipped a rock or I uncovered a rock or I hit a twig or I got my pole caught in my ski and whatever. So it's usually the little things. It's the slow, not so fast, small jump, little turn things where everything goes bad. And I 100% know that that crash, whatever it was, was nothing more than just a crash that I got up and laughed and walked away from because my body's in a condition where I can withstand that kind of stuff. And so it's, it's definitely a testament to training and being like what I like to call just like ever readiness. If someone asks you, yo, Brian, you want to go on a hike tomorrow? You don't want to have to be like, Oh man, a hike, like my glutes and how my knees don't do so good coming down. The hill. I'll have yeah, to write you know, I don't know. I'll go next time. Like you should be like, fuck yeah, sure. Where do you want to go? Where are we going to hike? Yeah, exactly. Well, let me ask you a question too. Like the yeah. more muscle mass you have, that helps with your bone density too. Right. And the, and yes. preventing fractures. Right. So, yeah, it's just, so that's like, this is kind of when you do your, your personal training cert and you go through like the textbook and everything, this is one of those, like the first things you find out is that your bones actually lay down more layers of bone in response to the resistance. So resistance causes a stress in the muscle and the bone, the bone and the muscle therefore react to that. And so it lays down more bone on the bone and then your muscle mass increases as it repairs the trauma to the muscle. So there, I mean, we're talking, when people hear that, they're picturing like <laughs> spreading more peanut butter on the bone. Yeah. It's very, very small. But when you're talking about what kind of like pressure or trauma will cause a break, we, it is known without a doubt that those that strength train are at less risk of micro fractures, hairline fractures, all that kind of thing. Because right. it's all relative to your body weight. When you fall, if you're 200 pounds, it's 200 pounds hitting the ground. If you're 150, it's 150 hitting the ground. Right. When you hit the ground, it's not the bones of a 150 pound person falling with the weight of a 200 pound person. Mm. So because of that, if a lighter person builds mass and muscle, and a heavier person builds mass muscle, they're both going to benefit in the same way in the event of a some sort of crash that only involves them. Obviously, you get hit by a truck. You want to be the 200-pound guy, not the 150-pound guy. <laughs> but, you want to be the guy that's not in front of the truck. Right, yeah, you going, oh, you want to be that guy. Oh, damn. <laughs> we skied in Ishkill a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, Ishkill, that was on the news last year because they were like the COVID hub of Europe. But oh, no. seriously, that place is bananas because there was 
it, I mean, the, the mountain is gigantic. It's actually two mountains, goes into two countries. But there was like four trails that came out, like off the mountain. It shows the ski town. out. Yeah. The ski out. And all of the tra- all the trails ended with a street. Like there was a live street with cars street. going down it. And the yeah. crazy thing about it is, I don't know if you ever skied in Europe, there's all these bars on your way down the mountain. So probably a good 70% of people have at least two or three drinks in them. And they're going down this slushy, icy, nasty trail into a street. And the yeah. one day we just we just sat there at the cafe across from the trail and we're like, ooh, ooh. We saw ooh. somebody go right into the street. Into the street. Sparks what? with their with their skis. It was awesome. They didn't get hit by a car, which which was good. But, but it was an active road. Like you were skiing. It was just so the, bizarre. It's so bizarre. <laughs> I think the guy who designed that designed LAX airport. Very, very similar. <laughs> they were just phoning oh, in. Zero like, empathy. It's it's yeah. two o'clock in the morning. I'm tired. Okay, let's just put this going into here yeah. and all four we'll of these that. trails going to one. That's it. We'll figure it out. We'll put the Ubers over there. It's fine. That's right. So one of the things regarding injuries, um, is there anything you have specific? Because, you know, as you get older too, uh, you know, I always think a lot about uh, how can you work out to strengthen your knees, strengthen your joints, make sure that, you know, again, everyone does their squats, their, their lunges, all that. Well, they should be, but is there any like specific uh, like exercise plan or um, routines that you should be doing for injury prevention? Or is it all kind of baked into the, the regular workouts? So it's a little bit of a complex question in that injury Injury treatment and rehab are pretty tough to do from afar. And you really do want to, you want to outsource to professionals in that setting. So I, I mean, not only is it the whole legal issue, but in all seriousness, if someone's suffering from any of these kind of injuries or they are post-surgery and they haven't gone through rehab, a hundred percent, you got to see the physical therapist because yes, there are things that everyone should do for ways to strengthen your ligaments, your tendons, increase your range of motion, increase your flexibility, strengthen the ranges that are safe, et cetera. But if it's a a very specific issue, you need to see someone that specializes in that on you physically so that they can see it, they can diagnose it and then come up with the best plan for it. With the ski system, there are plenty of programs on there, mobility-specific programs that involve no strength training so that they're just mobility guidelines, um, flexibility programs. And then each of the programs themselves, if it's in one of the other programs, more of a strength-related program, they're all going to have an active warm-up and mobilization drills before you get into the strength. So each one of those build-ups is specific to that day. Because the way that you warm up for four sets of 10 on squat should be different than the way that you warm up to do plyometric exercises. There are two different demands on the system, so they both require different lead-ins to it. So same thing if you go watch Olympic divers, you watch sprinters, and you watch gymnasts, they're all going to be doing something different in preparation to optimize their body for that thing. So as best that I could, I've built these programs to incorporate as much mobility, flexibility, and then strengthening of new ranges throughout without putting on the hat of a physical therapist and trying to diagnose very specific ailments just because it's, it wouldn't be a good investment all the time and it wouldn't be safe or responsible for me to try to do that. 
So well, one I thing in I general, noticed- though, it's good for people to know to, to, to incorporate that. Cause you see people at the gym, they're just working out. It's like, they, they don't stretch, they don't warm up, they don't do anything. They just go and they, they do the same lift that they always do. And it's like, why, you know? And, and there's, I, I know that with social media, it, it becomes even more challenging to get away from this, but no, you don't have to be going as heavy as, as you feel like you need to be going. It, there's so much work can be done at submaximal loads. Like if you, if you consider maximal being a hundred percent of what your body's capable of, that's like your super shaky eyes are rolling in the back of your head. You out of breath and you got to take five minutes when you're done. Most of the actual accomplishment and the progression happens at around 65 to 70%. So everyone has a pass to completely let go of this need to out squat their high school self and start to incorporate some other exercise that maybe challenge more like the mechanics and complexity of what you're doing. Because when we get on snow, yes, we want powerful glutes, powerful hamstrings, powerful quads, but all those are useless. If you're only good standing like this, going up and down under a squat rack, you have to start to move in other directions. You have to start to challenge limbs independently of each other. And then you have to challenge your core muscles to stabilize why all, all these other things do other stuff. And so if you incorporate all those into a program and you drop the intensity down, your total workload might be the same, but it's not going to feel like you were just dying on every single rep. And at the end of the day, it's going to prep you a lot better to get on snow and to accomplish the demands that the sport presents us with. Because skiing is, if you started when you're a kid, it's hard to remember the learning process but it's a very complex sport. There's a lot going on. You have speed, you have changes in pitch, you have hand-eye coordination because you're making decisions at speed to avoid objects. You have this unknown factor that unless it's a mountain that you've been skiing since you were a kid, you don't actually know where you're going. You can look at a map and be like, okay, we're going down Ren's Run and we're gonna be over here at the end. You don't really know what that entails. What are the blind spots? What trees tend to stick out? What stuff will slough off? Is that a blind cliff or can we go off that? And then on top of that, unlike any other sport, you have a, of this fixed boot position is super strange and boot technology has come along so far over the past decade. So there's some pretty miraculous boots, but it's still a strange thing to be fixed like that. And it puts strange demands on our body. So prepping your body in all the different directions and at different velocities of accelerating and decelerating and doing all this stuff, doing all that will make you a better skier, but it will also reduce your risk of injury greatly. Mm. And that's a lot of information. And I think some people hearing that might be like, well, I don't <laughs> acceleration and deceleration. I thought, I thought I was listening to a podcast, not like a physics class. I solved that for you. Yeah. That's what the programs do. They're in there. It's all, all that stuff's been figured out. You Now you just see the exercise that sets the reps and the time and you do it. Just, well, it's, just like, program. Yeah. it's just like the matrix, right? At first it seems very complicated. Neato's yeah. know what he's doing. And then all of a sudden he understands it. Let's go. And then he can like, you know, pull the bullets out of the air. Like, you know. And now we have four matrixes and they're thinking about doing another one and then we had the <laughs> twins, but that one was kind of weird. And But then I got the Wachowski sisters, I guess, because like they used to be guys. Now they're not. It's Are just, they not? 
They're not anymore. They're not. Okay. Huh. The Wachowski brothers are no longer the Wachowski brothers. Oh. A lot has changed. Wait, um, hold on. This is a, a super sidebar. But first off, I thought the Coen brothers directed the first one, which I found <laughs> out was not true. That would have been a totally different movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> then I found out it was the Wachowski sisters. Mm-hmm. I, that actually was as of three weeks ago that I looked that up. So I must have just looked up completely the wrong thing. They are not the sisters anymore. Well, they were brothers originally. Formerly Larry and Andy. First... Now they're Lana and Lily. Yeah. Okay. So they, when I looked it up and saw that the sisters yes. had directed it, I had I was right about that. But it was after the section. After they were the brothers when the movie came out. Now they are wow. sisters. Wow. Lots happened wow. in 21 years since that movie came out. A lot of things have changed. 1999, possibly the best mo- year ever for movies. Yeah, and a movie that completely, completely changed the way that movies were shot forever. Oh yeah, yeah. and completely yeah. holds up too. Yep. And becoming a little creepily realistic these days. Yeah, it's like man, there's a lot of like, yeah, <laughs> a lot of maybe we are in the Matrix simulation. You wonder, theory. am I really sleeping right now? And this is yeah. all simulation. Am I in a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I am the podcast. <laughs> Once I realize, I'm going to start doing some really crazy shit. <laughs> well, there's, there's one thing you kind of mentioned before, and that's one thing I love about your Instagram handle, which is at the ski system, is that you, you mentioned, you know, the squat rack, very linear, up and down. A lot of the exercises that you show, they are 360 degrees, multi-direction. Because again, you get on an elliptical machine, you're going one direction. You go to the squat rack, you go one direction. Two exercises that I have pulled out of your from out from your Instagram feed is the Bulgarian split squat, which yeah. it sucks. It's not fun. It hurts. <laughs> but goddamn, you feel like you put in some work when you do those. Yeah, anything with an Eastern Bloc country before oh, it, Romanian, <laughs> Bulgarian, Bulgarian, Russian—they're all hard. They're all very. They difficult. suck. Yeah, but oh, they you feel it. You did work. Yep. Yeah, that one. And um, I don't know what it's called, but you put you hold up the kettlebell and then you do like a side, like a one legged lunge. Maybe a squat. I don't know what you'd call it. So you hold the kettlebell up and yep. then you kind of you actually would squat in that direction or lunge in that direction. It's fun to try and figure out what you're doing when I can only see your chest. <laughs> <laughs> when the most important part here is what the legs are doing. It's like a side lunge. All right, let me see if I can lower this. Like thing a down. lateral lunge? Lateral like lunge? A lateral lunge with like a kettlebell? Kind of like that, maybe? Lateral lunge. Lateral lunge. Probably a lateral lunge, so, with, like a side lunge. With a kettlebell, again, because you're moving in a different direction. You're not moving front and back very linear which again it's that's 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 when you show what you're made of because when you're skiing straight and nothing's in your way that's fine and dandy but it's yeah. when you got to move when you got to pivot when you got to avoid something a rock a cliff a tree whatever that's when you're like okay i'm tr- i trained for this this is what my body is ready for let's make it happen yeah, and you'll feel that the a lot of the lateral exercises you'll feel most when you're cutting across a hill so if mm-hmm. you're on the side of the hill and you're cutting back in or it's kind of skied off in the afternoon. It's like one or two and you're skiing and it's more slough piles. You'll notice that the most there because lack of stability laterally is going to make those turns the hardest because gravity is acting North South, but also kind of Southeast against you. Right. And it increases at different points in the turn. So if you're strong in that outrigger position, then the muscles that support you there are going to transfer over to being in that outriggered position through a turn. Hmm. So these are places where 
the exercises are selected on purpose. And I, I really try to do a job of not over explaining that within the programs themselves. Cause at the end of the day, you're going to the gym for an hour. You just want to get your program done. You don't need the, the right. what, where, why, when, every time you try to exercise, it would be obnoxious, but know that within each program, there's reasons that the exercise is selected and every single exercise that's selected in these programs is thought of from what it feels like to actually be a skier. What does it feel like yeah. to go down and what kind of physiological and environmental demands are being placed on your body when you're doing these different things, which I feel like in the past have been reserved for Olympic athletes. This is the issue as a ski enthusiast. You can watch Breezy Johnson squat in the same amount of weight, or you watch Lindsey Vaughn or Michaela Schifrin and you see all their videos and you might just keep asking yourself, why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? I don't get what that is or why they're performing these movements. They're all performing them for a reason. There's a reason that Breezy is squatting 280 pounds and Michaela is doing presses with a band. There are different phases and different programs, but there's no way for the average person to get an insight into the reasons behind those or how to structure their own thing. And unfortunately, you can't just go repeat the exercise that they're doing for three sets of eight here and there and get the benefit. So the programs take all this and funnel it down into a a more digestible version. And my hope is that the stigma of training really being reserved only for Olympic athletes can go away because at the end of the day, it's the average person that needs it more than the Olympic athlete. (laughs) You know, they're the ones because they're skiing 500 days a year. Yeah. And all of yeah i like the fact that it's um it's very well thought out and there's a lot of thought that went into your program because i mean i personally I, I went to trainer for a while you know getting ready to go ski like you know just to get back it was kind of a motivator too i was a little bit down and i was like let me get back into it let me get training you know so i got a trainer and the frustrating part for me i was like you know they had me doing this ridiculous, stupid shit that I was like, what is this for? They're like, well, this helps with this. And it's kind of, it was kind of fly by the seat of your pants. And I'm like, you know, I would have thought that I'm paying you. You're going to think a little bit more about a program specifically for me. And that didn't happen. So it was a little bit, you know, annoying for me. Uh, whereas, you know, your program, it's definitely, like you said, you don't have to think about it because it's been well thought out and there's reasons why you're doing things for the program that you funneled into the, of what your goals are, you know? Um, so I, I like that a lot better than, you know, unless you go to a really good trainer, right. Or, or somebody that, you know, takes the time to, to plan a program for you, you can't get that, you know? Yeah. And the access is uh, challenging for people. And, and there's a lot of places in the country where you can ski and there's limited places in the country where you can get access to really high level thought out personal, like individualized training. Right. And, Especially in Florida. Yeah. And on a budget. Yeah, Florida in any, yeah. r- any rural area. I mean, there's yeah. thousands of skiers that ski in rural areas, right. Mm-hmm. That are not, you're not skiing in Los Angeles and Santa Monica or in Soho in New York. It's, that's not where it is. So the, the access can be frustrating for people is okay. Not only do I not know what to do or I see what to do, but I don't really get how to do it, but where am I going to go get that? You're going to get someone who did a weekend certification and they're being taught by their manager, how to teach people to train. 
And then the comment is always, oh yeah, I've skied before. And I'm like, you kind of want to stop and say, are you any good? <laughs> You're like, I have How a podcast. Okay. Right. I'm a high flute and ski bum. I can't oh, be. High flute and ski podcast. <laughs> yeah, but the other thing is that, so I guess is worth touching on is there is an offering within the site too that I decided to include there when there's space in my personal training business to take on one-on-one clients. So if people are interested in something that is specific, let's say you have a herniated disc or you broke your wrist last year and you're not feeling confident about working out or training, or even if in the event that someone started a ski system program and they still don't really feel comfortable doing it without guidance, I have a service on there where it can be a one-on-one thing with me specifically. So they can do one-on-one virtual coaching we go through an entire assessment process that's individualized, and then I construct an actual program that's specific to them and then coach them through that. So I'm not sure how much people will take up on that, but I would imagine here and there it might be desirable if someone has a specific thing that they want extra guidance or a bridge between programs. Like, hey, you know, I've been crushing your programs for six months now. I absolutely love it. It's a couple of things I'm not really sure about. Can we do a couple sessions just to really hone in on these? And then I'm going to jump back into the program. So I'm not disconnected from the website completely. And I, especially in the beginning, want to make myself as available as possible for feedback and questions like that. So that's that's just it. It's another way to get really good feedback. You know, people start going to you and they say, Hey, can you help me with this specifically? Well, now, you know, Hey, maybe that's a, a place where we have to you know, focus a little bit more somewhere in the programs too, right? So it helps you out and and the system in general. Exactly, exactly. Very cool. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And now, so we're in the summer now. It's This is going to come out, right? Probably the very end of August, August 31st. Labor Day is coming up. People are want to get ready for ski season. So what are some of the most like overrated and underrated exercises that people can start doing between now and ski season to get ready? So I, I hate to even say it because I feel like I'm going to be roasting you a little here, Brian, and it's not what I meant. Oh, do, do it. I, I need it. Do I, wrote this, do it. I wrote this answer out. I got this answer together before, before we started this. So I think that, unfortunately, one of the most overrated things, and it's also heavy squats. thing I keep doing, is, is heavy squats. And that doesn't mean it's important to say this. doesn't mean that heavy squats are bad. And in some cases, they're really good. And programs that have them planned in periodically, like ramping up to a heavy rep or that start with a heavy rep and then work towards returning to that in the future, great. There's structure and purpose behind that. The going in and just trying to max out, trying to do the most or starting like, okay, I'm going to do three sets of 10. And then halfway through the second one, I'm feeling much better. So you add five and you do another set. And then you add five and you do another set. And you end up just going up this ladder until you can't do one. It's really high neurological demand on your nervous system. It's a lot for your body to go through in that session. It doesn't mean that you get done and you're like, oh my God, I can't work for the rest of the week. I need to lay down. It's not going to feel like that. But the compounding stress on your body, if it's not structured, can be problematic in the future. But scroll through social media and what do you see? Everyone's one rep. Everyone's max effort. You see Thor Bjorgensen 
power lifting cars over his head. I mean, but that's what he does for a living, right? Yeah. That's the other thing. He doesn't sit at a computer all day Listen, managing projects or coding. Like he, that's his job. That's, that's what he, what he, he does. pays for his Ferrari. Exactly. And so, okay, but what do you do with this? There's in training. There's a scale that we use called an RPE scale. Ratings of perceived exertion is what it stands for, and it's a fancy way. It's a highfalutin way of saying a one to ten scale. All right. So if you're training yourself, and this is true for, it actually gives you a little blurb when you start a new program. This is how I recommend people progress through their programs. If you're training, and let's say, for example, Ryan, you're doing back squat, try to keep your reps at about a six or seven out of 10 on your own personal RPE scale. Not your, I just looked at Instagram, that looks hard scale. So you go, you do a set. If it feels like a seven out of 10, all the reps were smooth. You could probably do another two if you had to, but you couldn't do four more or five more. Now you know that you're in the right zone. And so if you can complete all your sets and all your reps at that difficulty and then shoot for about two and a half to five pound increases every two weeks, that's a pretty manageable progression with really good self-feedback because now it's specific to you. You rate your own scale, you know your difficulty, but it also gives you something to work towards over the weeks. So you could take an exercise like, let's say you were doing 300 pound back squats, back it off to 240 and do better reps for slightly more sets. And then in two weeks, try to bump it to 250, that kind of thing. Because especially at a weight like that, I mean, if you're in excess of your body weight, and you're doing reps, you're already in a great position. You're in a smaller percentile of all the people in the world. When I'm doing my squats, I'm doing 300 pounds. I'm doing five by fives. That's my last set. I think of my family on my back. I'm being chased by the Taliban. I got to go up the mountain and get an AR-15. That's the kind of mindset I go into my squats with. Because this is an emotional thing. Like I have to like get myself psyched up for the workout because I know what has to happen. Well, here's what will happen. You'll do it. And then the next week you'll do it. And then you'll do it. And then you'll not be able to do it. I got to buy more weights. Frustrated. I'm running out of weights, baby. And then you'll fail. And then you'll try again and you'll fail. And by now you'll have so much neurological stress on your body over the weeks. You'll try again and you'll slip a disc and then you won't ski. So I'll get depressed and then I'll start drinking. Exactly. I like that thing with the pen. And then you got to get the Viagra and then you're back up again. (laughs) <laughs> and then, Squats are my Viagra, bro. It's a t-shirt. But most underrated exercise. You touched on it, but it's a hybrid of the two. Um, you're familiar with a like a front rack barbell position. Yeah, if you were going to do a front squat, so you use the front rack position. So the barbell runs across your collarbone. Almost feels like you're going to get choked out. Elbows stay high, and then you do a Bulgarian or a rear foot elevated split squat, same thing. And you do it with the barbell in that front rack position. The reason being that at some point, if you're using kettlebells or dumbbells, you're going to hit a point where it's either too challenging to get the dumbbell into a goblet position. So let's say that your legs are strong and now you can do a 120 pound goblet squat. That's an absurd amount of weight to curl and then get into position. Right. But you could very easily load 10s and 15s onto the side and comfortably get in position, unrack like that. So the rear foot elevated split squat, it's single leg. It's really demanding on your glutes and hamstrings, which 
I think tend to get overlooked in training programs when people think about training for skiing because they know it's a quad. They feel their quads when they ski partially because their hamstrings are underdeveloped. And so their quads are doing all the work anyway, but they feel their quads when they ski. So they think I got to do quad strengthening exercises. I got to do lunges and step ups. And so they neglect their hamstrings and glutes in development. And that creates a weird asymmetry in your legs of power. So if you can strengthen the muscles behind you, put it in the front rack position, stacks your vertebrae really nicely. Whereas if you put things on your back, unless you're a skilled lifter, there's going to be a point at which things start to round forward. So this front rack position auto corrects you into a much more vertical position with your spine. And then it gives you loading options over, over time so that you can add little or, or a bunch of weight as you go up. Whereas the dumbbells tend to jump pretty high, at least five pounds in every jump. So it gives you more options, more loading. It's a really taxing position. And I think that the power development you'll feel in your legs, you'll be blown away when you get on snow, what that feels like. It's crazy to have single leg strength like that on snow. And that doesn't mean that someone has to go to the ski system count, look at a video of me doing it, count how much weight that I'm doing it with, and then try to do that weight. It could mean that maybe between now and ski season start, you do, you start with body weight and then have a goal of by the ski season, doing it with 15 pounds. Cause that's a 15 pound increase for you. And if you're taking your body from where it is now, improving the strength by 15 pounds, you're going to ski better than if you didn't do that period. You're going to feel it. It's like the whole thing with horsepower, right? If your car loses a hundred pounds, it's like gaining 10 horsepower. Exactly. You're going to feel when skiing. Yep. But what exactly. if Brian just wants to do more than you and then keep Instagramming you saying, Hey, I beat you, bro. What you got, you. What you, got man? I, you know, if he did, I'd humbly, I'd humbly congratulate him. And then I'd ask him to race. <laughs> there you go. And then we get a and ski we'll race see. going. Will the 300 pound back squat payoff or will the seven out of 10 rear foot elevated split squat payoff? Then I'd crank right. your bindings down. Yeah, I know. My mind's at a four, Dan. And then you guys are going to race to the K2. The K2. You know what I thought would be fun is to do the NASTAR uh, circuit. When I was growing up, NASTAR was like, you just shit on NASTAR. It was like the biggest joke. Only tourists do NASTAR or whatever. And then I started to look at it thinking, that would kind of be fun. You're ranked on an international scale against other people that find time to ski it's is that really all how it works like anyone can just go and go do it i'm sure well, i mean you probably get a bunch of comments now about how i know nothing about nascar but yeah. i think oh, there's gonna be people probably <laughs> brutalizing us don't worry about it we well, get NASCAR's shit all the best. time from the, we just don't read it we, we don't read the bad stuff we yeah, just you can't you like you can't read the comments but on <laughs> nascar website it looks like you can join show up at any mountain that has a nascar course compete and it logs your time against the global uh, global elite of nastarians i don't yeah, know you could say we're competitive skiers nastafarians boom and you can say that you're a competitive skier well, a semi-professional Semi-pre- competitive skier yeah <laughs> highfalutin competitive skier highfalutin that's right i ski when i want i so make yeah, the rules look, look for me on the nastar world cup this year that's my my goal oh there we go there you go so now you mentioned the one-legged squats and we're getting towards an hour. So I'll wrap it up pretty soon, but pistol squats. I saw a dude, I think it was on Instagram or something. This of guy had like, was. of course it was. The guy had like 40 kilogram, like two forty kilogram kettlebells doing pistol squats. I tried doing it with no weight. And I was like, Holy crap. How do you even do these things? 
See, you, this is what I, social I think, media. This is what social media is doing to people. There are yeah. people walking around on crates. I don't know if you've seen all this. Oh my god, my my people son's obsessed with it. People and are I'm like, die walking oh, around yeah. on milk crates. Yeah, I'm I'm convinced that an OT or a PT put that out there and said, "I got more business coming," because <laughs> everybody's just breaking themselves. It's hilarious. Oh my god. I mean, some of those falls. Yeah. They have to be hospitalized. <laughs> it's hilarious and terrifying no at the way. same time. I'm like, yeah. No way. It's but like yeah, crazy Russians. Brian's like, doing 160 kilo <laughs> front squats. I mean, the world's in turmoil. But okay. So the pistol squat's an interesting one because it's super visual. It's grabby, looks cool. But in this order, the, the challenge of pistol squats is first hip range of motion. Because, and then a good way to test this is lie on your back and flex your knee up towards your head and only allow your knee to come up towards your head so long as your low back stays flat on the ground. Because that's essentially seeing what your hip can do without any other factors acting on it. So for those who don't know what a pistol squat is, so you're basically, imagine you're squatting down and your one leg is straight out. Yeah. Right? So a squat on one leg. A squat on one leg. Yeah. And your um, arms are out, right? No, you're well, so this guy, you, this kettlebell is like up here, right there. Okay, yeah, if you can't, if <laughs> you held the world record, or flex, you won't, you won't go into it no matter what you do. So, whether there's weight or not, if your hip doesn't have the range of motion, there's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. The second thing is that your ankle has to have the range of motion because if this is your foot and this is your calf, if your leg can't flex forward without your foot staying on the ground then your knee will never get in a position to allow your hip to come down. So you have to have hip mobility and you have to have ankle range of motion, period. If those aren't there, no pistol squats are happening at all. <laughs> and then if they're there, you have to have flexible quads because that's going to limit the range of motion at the knee. If your quad's tight, it's not going to want to let the knee bend. And then if your ha- your calves are tight, they're not going to let the tibia move forward. Hmm. And then. If your back's tight and your thoracic spine has no mobility in the middle of your back, then when you go down, your back's going to drive forward. And then you won't be able to stand up because you're not stacked over your foot. So pistol squats are a, they're a really complex mobility flexibility movement. Very oh, yeah. high demand on those things. If they someone, look sexy. They look sexy. Yeah, Brian, cool. if you're going to try that, you got to get a paramedic standing by. Dude, I need like four spotters <laughs> to do that. Man, you want to know a way to do it, though? This is really like if you were, I had a client who wanted to do this. And so they they said, I want to train, but I really just want to do pistol squats. I'll do whatever we have to do. <laughs> I just want to look good in the gym. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, we're going to be training for five years. So <laughs> we, we basically just worked on, I taught them some hip mobility and quad, hamstring, calf lengthening exercises, ankle mobility. Once they learned that, that became their homework. So they just had to do that on their own because I don't need to stand there and watch them do it. And then you start at a really high surface because the other thing is you have to train your brain to understand what the leg's doing by itself. Because if you have 16 kilos and you squat, both legs are doing half of that. They're each doing eight kilos of work if you're symmetrical. As soon as you go to pistol squat, you have one leg doing all that plus all the way to your body. Mm-hmm. So it's a really high strength demand too. Yeah, even so just doing your you body weight's fine, right? Yeah, if you get if you sit on a high chair, like if you took your desk chair and lifted it up and you sat on it 
and hold a weight plate out like this, and then just try standing up on your one leg over and over. You'll start to build the motor control to be able to do it. You combine that with your mobility flexibility, and then eventually you'll be able to drop down. Hmm. I wouldn't go for 40 kilos in each arm though off the bat. That may a take a few months. I'm yeah. still trying to figure out how much a kilo is. 2.2 pounds, <laughs> bro. Bro. <laughs> I like how you added the bro in there. I can tell Mario bought, bought the kettlebells with the pounds on them, didn't you? Did you no, get, they got what? kilograms, but I'm like, I got the big one, <laughs> like, little why bigger I one, small one. Are they pink? <laughs> I just go by size. No, they're blue, actually. Oh, they're blue. Okay. Pretty nice. Let's see. Let's, see. let's show, show everyone. Let's see the let's kettlebells. See oh, let's see the kettle. He's going to get them. All right, but we're getting toward an hour, Abe. So what's the website? Where can everyone go to, to check out the ski system? It's get, G-E-T, ski system.com. They do have pounds. There we go. He got them on Amazon. <laughs> um, GetSkiSystem.com is the website. Okay. Before the launch, so the launch will be tomorrow. If you go on, you can sign up with your email and get 15% off at the launch. Nice. Um, the Instagram is at the ski system. I really just throw out exercises, thoughts, little tidbits on there um, about training. The value is in the comments just so people know, or the caption rather. Um, the exercises are there, but the caption really explains kind of what it is, why we're doing it, et cetera. But getskisystem.com is the website. That's where you can sign up, become a member, start training, prep your body, um, share the promo video on there. I just hired a voiceover guy to do the voiceover, so it's not my wheezy voice. So it'll sound a lot better. And ladies and some gentlemen, Abe does have shirtless exercises he does. So that is an extra <laughs> bonus. Not, you know, it's actually, it's declined a lot since the first... Uh, Why, bro? That's motivation it's, right there. closed. All the web, the website's closed. You know? Uh, we were just going to do an OnlyFans for the website, but... Fan, know, fans want a little eye candy. Well, OnlyFans, you know, they know. shut down. They sh Well, they shut down the explicit part. You can still... You I know, could still rack it on there. They're gonna, they yeah, said they're gonna I, have like people doing recipes and stuff. Like, oh, that, that'll work. That'll be a. a I would imagine money. all their money has got to be in the. It's just gone. Oh, they bankrupt themselves overnight. <laughs> well, oh, they weird. weren't. People need some dudes logging in saying, "I want to see something." And they see a damn <laughs> recipe. You know, they're freaking out. <laughs> I'm not gonna make tiramisu. What the I hell? Just, <laughs> I was feeling a little frisky, and I found out yeah. how to make a chocolate <laughs> cake. Like, what the hell? Oh, but think about, the, <laughs> think about all the restaurants and bars that need employees. Yeah, I know. But hey, maybe the service industry is going to get a, a reboot right now. Huge. But well, it'll that's going to transfer to the service in, industry. There's going to be weird when you go to the bar and your you server is like, ah. <laughs> I don't recognize <laughs> you, you without me? something in your. Mm. <laughs> Did you ever see me on OnlyFans? Did you lay down a second? You look familiar. <laughs> <laughs> You're cheating, Unicorn 119, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> nice to give you nine bucks a month. Yeah. <laughs> Now I'll give you 20% of <laughs> if service is good. Yeah, service is good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Abe. So at the ski system on Instagram, get the ski system or get no, ski no. system. Get ski system. Get ski no, system. system.com is the website. Yeah. September 1st, the big launch. You still have time to get that body into powerful, beautiful ski ready condition. Yes. Let's realize your vision. That's what it is. Realize your vision. Where do you want to go? Don't get hurt. Don't get it. hurt this year. Don't That's get right. hurt. That's the Just key. Stay, stay healthy. No hospitals. Yeah. And then one last thing. 
Abe, where are we skiing together this season? Man, I, I'm I'm actually going to go live in Mammoth for three weeks this winter. <sighs> nice. Woman so, it. Yeah, I'm going to do like a, a VRBO up there and just go for content creation and getting on snow and just trying to like, I don't know if people want to come and ski. I'll be in Mammoth. It's like so. your fortress of solitude. You go up there, you concentrate, you get everything right. I'm going on a vision quest. Exactly. That's right. That's I'm going right. to think of how to do the calendar. It's your, uh, your chi in order. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. I, you know, my, my family's on some of my family's on the East coast and I have not skied East coast and, years probably since you make it to the east coast we'll get a nice icy day and hit the hit the trails icy day cold beer yeah that works that is the one thing about the east coast you know vermont new hampshire maine there's some some great beers up there really good ice like it's really good really good ice really really dangerous (laughs) new ice there gotta love it (laughs) well uh thank you guys so much for having me on i appreciate it as always it was great pleasure yeah Um, i did say to hear people jump on yeah we're excited to check it out so yeah, congratulations Abe, again too. much get ski system.com at the ski system on Instagram. Go check them out. Yes. Thank you. Abe. We hope You're you guys welcome. enjoyed Thanks. that. Right. Take care. If you want more information or links, go to ski Thank you so much for listening. Check us out. Ski Send us an email. Ski at gmail.com. We are on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, untapped at ski podcast. Thank you again so much for listening. We're gearing up for Labor Day weekend. It's about to turn fall, which means ski season is around the corner. We're here to help you get psyched. So stay high and stay falutin'. See ya.